From pediatrics to geriatrics, Maine Medical Center is centered around you. Welcome to MMC Radio, your trusted source for healthcare news and tips. Here's Melanie Cole. Adolescence can be such a difficult time for kids, but it can also be a really difficult time for parents. How do you know what to say and what not to say to your adolescents to get them to listen to you, to do these things that will keep them safe and get them through on the other end? My guest today is Dr. Jonathan Fanberg. He's board certified in adolescent medicine at Maine Medical Partners. Welcome to the show, Dr. Fanberg. So we have trouble addressing certain things, health issues, drug issues. There's a lot of stuff going around and kids see this stuff in the media today. They see so much about marijuana and sex and screen time. How do we talk to our kids about these things? And and also importantly, what don't we say to them so that they don't run right out and try and do these things we're telling them not to do? These are tough topics for teenagers. Um, they, they don't necessarily want to be told what to do. Actually, they don't want to be told what to do. Um, the best way you can talk with a teenager is for them to figure out the right answer on their own. But sometimes that means guidance and sometimes walking through the pros and cons of a topic and weighing out the good things about marijuana, the bad things about marijuana, the, the good things about sex, the bad things about it um, might be one approach. And then they figure out what's the right answer. Another approach is pull out a soap opera. You know, if you watch a soap opera on TV, you're going to come across every high-risk behavior you can possibly imagine. And then you're not talking about the kid anymore. You're talking about the TV show or the um, some other actor. Or a third approach is talk about a friend. And so when some com- something comes up in the media about a friend or something you've heard about the friend, uh, that becomes a forum for talking about the topic. And so using seizable moments is the best way to approach a teenager. I love that idea to use sort of a third party. And and I know I've done that myself. So let's start with marijuana. Do you, and this is a lot of parents in a, of a certain age question, do you tell kids about your past and your past drug use? If you were somebody that smoked marijuana in college. So there's an art of talking to teenager not to endorse something. And if you used it and you used it regularly during college, maybe you are not the best example for a teenager who you don't want to use it. Um, you do have to talk about the pros and cons. And as we are seeing more states legalize marijuana, we are having increased use. And so it's in the teenager's environment more and more frequently, even in the states where it's not legalized. It's become a little bit of a problem because there's a perception that's safe because some states have legalized it, and that's not the case. Uh, there's good data out there showing that your working memory, your visual scanning ability, your cognitive flexibility, your overall thought process is not as strong for the heavy users of marijuana compared to the ones who don't use it. Uh, and although some teenagers might say they use it because of anxiety or help falling asleep, uh, the reality is there's better ways to do that, uh, such as exercise enough so you're tired at night or uh, medicines that have been tested, such as melatonin or anxiety medicines in some cases, opposed to um, the marijuana that we do really don't have the benefit uh, documented. Um, so some teenagers also say they use marijuana for various medical conditions, and that's what we've seen crop up in the adult literature in various states. I think the best one uh, uh, with some supportive evidence is related to oncology or cancer when it improves one's nausea or one's appetite overall. But we really don't have data in kids saying that there's medical uh, benefit behind marijuana, uh, despite um, some users stating otherwise. 
So let's put sex and HPV together in this next section. And, you know, now with our kids at 12 and 13, Dr. Fanberg, we are getting them the HPV vaccine. So this is something that that they say, and now my kids just started saying, well, what am I getting that shot for? So right there, that opens the conversation. Do we leave it to you all pediatricians or do we discuss this ourselves? Talkable moments are everything. Yeah, there's some moments when a teenager will talk and they'll spill their guts about everything, their friends and themselves. There's other moments where they clamp down and they don't want to talk about anything. You need to respect that. Uh, Sex is one of those topics along those lines. And some teenagers, if they're not dating or they're not even interested in girls or guys or both, um, they aren't ready to talk about having intimacy yet. And so you need to judge where your teenager's at and talk at their level and talk when they're ready to talk. HPV's vaccine is one of those things that does bring this conversation up because we're given the vaccine before they're sexually active, and actually before they're even dating, uh, because HPV, um, once you have it, uh, it doesn't go away, and um, it's easier to prevent getting it than trying to treat it after the fact. Uh, we give the vaccine at age 11 to 13. Uh, we think it's almost 100% effective. Uh, it covers 90% of strains of HPV associated with cervical cancer. And we think that stays very effective for very long periods, at least 10 years, possibly many years beyond that. Um, and we think of it as a very safe vaccine. Uh, but what it's doing is it's protecting a teenager against HPV. Uh, the thing that the vaccine also does is bring up the topic, and it brings up a topic that um, allows you to talk about dating or it allows you to talk about infections, allows you to talk about general overall health and how to stay safe and health. health. Now, when we think of screen time, you know, kids don't think of looking at YouTube as screen time. They say, oh, screen time's playing video games, and I'm not doing that, Mom. Or, you know, it used to be television time, really, just watching TV. But now screen time has taken on a whole different sort of mode, hasn't it, Dr. Fanberg? And plus, they're using their screens at school. So when school starts again, they're going to be using screen time as part of school research and for, you know, their classes. How do we discuss screen time without them rolling their eyeballs at us and telling us we're just out of date? Screen time has definitely morphed into something else with this generation. Uh, so some kids are coming in, and I ask them how many hours of screen time you use a day, and I realize that's not an effective question anymore because it's morphed into the entire day's activities. It's uh, piecemealed, and sometimes it's a gray line between what's uh, recreational screen time versus what's homework when the computer's there. Uh, so we have to approach screen time a little bit differently. Yes, our, our um, saying is we want kids to watch less than two hours of recreational screen time a day, and that does not include homework time, uh, which might be something different as far as a measure. Uh, but I think there's some bigger principles that we need to talk about with teenagers when we're talking about screen. One is setting the environment up for safety, and what that means is possibly keeping all screens out of the bedroom, whether that's a TV screen or a phone screen or any other type of screen and putting them in the living room. And at least that way you have a secondary feel of what's going on. And even in that type of setting, I know teenagers can flip from one screen to the next very quickly, but you'll have some feel of what they're, where they're going and what they're doing on the Internet. Second thing is talking about healthy uh, Internet use. And that's a different twist because it used to be uh, that we would uh, play on block teenagers from all the sites you didn't want them to go to. It's just about impossible to do that because every bridge you put up that's higher, a wall that you put up higher, uh, it becomes another wall that a teenager can overcome uh, many times because the many t- cases they're more adaptive to the Internet than we are. 
Uh, and so instead, you might want to take approach of uh, talking to your teenager about what's a safe internet approach, what's not safe, um, how you might leave a trace behind you, a pathway um, of um, evidence of whatever you've done or where you're going. Anything you say online might be there for life uh, and to recognize how to use the screen safely. And then the other piece that's really important is uh, that uh, the, at least parents have a right to passwords. Um, and so if a patient, if, if a student is having a use of Facebook or an account that one right a parent should have is at least a password so they have access to monitor or if they need to. Um, and, and that's an approach that um, is adhered to um, in, in many households. Do you think we should start from a place of trust, Dr. Fanberg, or wait till they break that and, you know, and start by being suspicious, looking at their Instagram, Snapchat? You know, some of these screen time things disappear immediately. So it's very hard to even keep track. When you say know their passwords, should we be scrolling around on their Instagram? Should we be looking at their texts? I know this could be a topic in itself, but what what is your opinion on that? I think there's a happy in between. Just the fact that they've given you the password, even if you never use the password, gives them a level of responsibility that what they're doing um, could be potentially looked at at some point. Uh, and uh, I think we do have to have a level of trust as well with teenagers because they can walk around you regardless of how um, overseeing you are. I think a parent can get burned by overlooking every single thing that their, um, their child is doing and micromanaging as well. And so there must be a happy in between with that. In just the last minute or two, give parents your best advice. You're such an excellent guest. And parents need to hear what you're discussing about these tough topics to talk with adolescents and communication being such an amazing and needed skill for parents. So give us your best advice and why they should come to Maine Medical Center for their pediatric care. So there's a transition of parenting. The parents aren't born with how to take care of a teenager. And for that matter, they've taken care of up to 10-year-olds for 10 years initially. And so they've had a pediatric approach until they become a teenager. And there's a different parenting where a parent of a young child might be very paternalistic. You say it goes, you put them there if it doesn't. As they broach into the 10, 13-year-old zone, they start taking autonomy. And that's where you need to start flexing as a parent. You need to be able to communicate with um, shared decision-making, with weighing out the pros and cons, with tolerating some of the things you don't want to hear, taking a big deep breath and say, what are the good things? What are the bad things? These are my thoughts about what the good things and bad things are. Where are we going to find a happy in between? It means finding parents who are not the parents also involved with this teenager's life. And so if there's a coach or a teacher or an uncle or aunt who would say the same thing as you but aren't you, they're going to be more effective. Um, and that might be the physician in some cases. And that's what I like to think, at least in my office. Um, many times a parent might pull me aside as I'm about to go in with a teenager, and I'll talk with the parent alone for periods as well. And they will tell me, Johnny is doing this or Johnny is doing that. I'm worried about this. I've said something. But if you say something, I know you're going to be more effective. And many times I will take on that role because I recognize that my word will be much stronger than theirs because I'm not the parent for those temporary couple of years. Um, we like seeing teenagers at Maine Medical Center and Maine Medical Partners. We welcome them. We try and make a setup that is conducive to their needs and give them independence and privacy, yet also involve parents and family as much as we can. That's great information. Thank you so much, Dr. Fanberg. You're listening to MMC Radio. For more information, you can go to mainmedicalcenter.org. That's mainmedicalcenter.org, mmc.org. 
This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening. 